This is WNHH 103.5 FM Community Radio. You're listening to The Table Underground, and I'm your host, Tegan Engel. We're digging into stories of food, radical love, and creative social justice. Chef Raquel has a magnetic energy about her that seems to make all those drawn to her shine as bright as she does. A Pinch of Salt, her culinary education and catering company, based in Bridgeport, Connecticut, turns out delicious scratch-cooked food, excited home cooks, as well as a budding crew of local food entrepreneurs. As a talented chef, skilled with farm-fresh ingredients and a wide range of cuisines, Raquel's cooking and classes reach across neighborhoods and towns in the highly segregated and diverse state of Connecticut. As a chef who's also Puerto Rican and a woman, Raquel uses her skills and resources to teach and uplift other people passionate about food, many of whom are also black and brown cooks with a passion for good food. On this episode of The Table Underground, Chef Raquel is joined by two of her mentees, Dave Beno of Dave's Angry Sauce and Marsha June of Love Breakfast. These three talk about the inspiration that drives their food businesses and their collective desire to bring people together and build community around food. They welcomed me to the city of Bridgeport in their downtown special services district to record this show. Hello and welcome. Thanks for having us. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good. I would like to start us off with a question where we get to know a little bit about each other. And I'm wondering if each of you could tell me what is the first food that you fell in love with? Raquel, would you like to start? Yeah, so I was thinking of mommy. Um, My mom, we lived in basically a single household. My dad died when I was very young. But mommy used to make liver, but like how you would make steak. And so she would put it with peppers like pepper and steak. onions. And so even though like steak being expensive, right. this was our like steak, right. but she made it the bomb. Like right, it was right, just right. like delicious and like well cooked. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, my mom was always very frugal when it came to um, working with ingredients and knowing how to transform something right. meager into something absolutely delicious. So that's mine. Mm. Well, <clears throat> I, it, I was late. So I was a very picky eater. Uh, I cried when my mom tried to feed me. Um, yeah, I didn't want to eat anything. So fast forward as an adult, when you get married, you move out of the house and come back home to mom when she cooks sometimes and that nostalgia comes back. You, you, yeah, so my mother, whenever, you know, whenever she, you, she knows that you're sick, for example. Oh, she goes to Vivero, El Vivero, which is a live poultry. She gets her chicken oh. there, you know, and she calls you over, you know, to make sure you feel better, you mm-hmm. know, and she makes that chicken soup, you know, mm. that fresh chicken soup too. Does she keep the feet on? She loves the feet. That was her. <laughs> <laughs> that was her. Nobody touched the, you know, or, or El pe- eh, Pecueso, which is the neck. Mm-hmm. Those were my, my mom loved the feet and the neck. Mm-hmm. That was her. But yeah, no, that's something, Um, it's just, um. I guess I had a delay start on loving, you know, my mom's cooking, you mm. know, just, but it took all those years. And then when you come back home and like, you miss all these flavors. Um, and um, now my father, he, um, he loved hot sauce. In Puerto Rico, they do vinagre, which is hot vinegar. And, and the funny thing is he always had a, a, a rum, an empty rum bottle filled with, you know, the hot peppers yeah, so you never. I remember as a kid being fearful of that bottle because <laughs> just touching the lid yeah. and it was oh, bad, you know. Up, right? So yeah, so I grew up uh, 
eventually loving the hot sauce from Puerto Rico. Yeah. That's great. And um, so that was Dave. Yeah. Marsha. For me, um, I guess it's obvious enough that breakfast was like my favorite meal. And that just goes back to my mom always making sure, um, especially in uh, third world countries, making sure that you have breakfast, a good meal to start with. And you can, it's something that's filling so that you can go through your day. Um, and my friends used to always love to come over, especially on their birthdays, to come because they know my mom was going to make like a really nice breakfast, pancakes, you know, eggs, sausages. So, Where are you from? My mom's from Haiti. Mm. Yeah. So she always made sure we had a really good breakfast. That's great. I didn't even think how I was going to answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> I have an earliest food memory, but I shared that on another show, So, which is a food that I fell in love with, which is um, uh, meringue. Because my mom used to cook meringue. She used to bake out of our house and sell to local places. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it looks like a cloud and it would bake in the oven overnight. So that is definitely like a first food I really fell in love with. But one, there's another food. This is sort of a weird one, but um, salty licorice, Dutch wow. licorice. Because my grandmother was Dutch and my grandparents were Holocaust survivors. And, um, and my grandmother was from Holland. And it's like a weird food because it's salty. It's not a mm. flavor that Americans are down with mm. at all. <laughs> and so, but I just loved it. It was salty and sweet. And um, and there were all different kinds and shapes. And I think it was fun because it was like a special thing that I, that I had at my grandma's so, house. Where can and you then, find that now? Can you find that? You can find it. Actually, Ikea sells it, some oh, of it. But wow. it's, not, it's not exactly the same, but it's okay. similar. And there used to be a Dutch store in, um, in South Norwalk that just closed. It had been there forever. You can buy it online. Mm-hmm. I used to take it to school and I would eat it and then my friends would want some and I'd be like, you can go stand over by the garbage can and try it because they'd be like, oh no, it's going to be good. And then they'd taste it and they'd think it was so disgusting and they'd spit it out. But the salt, when it touched my tongue, would like, it was so salty that it would like tingle mm. and I loved it. So that's that's <laughs> one of my yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it also brings up a point of there's not a lot of like, I don't know a lot of Dutch stores or, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they've sort of just, I think pe- those Dutch immigrants came earlier, and so they've become, quote unquote, American, right? Like oh, a lot yeah. of white people just mm-hmm. became American. <laughs> so um, that, those things have sort of disappeared. Believe it or not, in, yeah. in, um, you find a lot of Dutch names in Puerto Rico. Yeah. You know, like, like I'm Bonet, so it's, that's not, that's more of French or Catalonian, but mm-hmm. I knew, I ran into other people with, um, that were Dutch descendants, but all from Puerto Rico. Yeah. Yeah. I'm already excited to hear from all of you about your work, but I'm going to start with Miss Raquel because you're all here because of Raquel's business that you started, A Pinch of Salt. And so I want to hear a little, can you tell us what is A Pinch of Salt? What are some of the things that you do? And then hear how you're all connected through that. Totally. So A Pinch of Salt is basically um, just cooking education. So it can be like, it's hands-on cooking classes for kids and for adults. And it started something like that, like recreational. And then... um, when I started doing a lot of that over the years, I wanted to do something that kind of bridged certain gaps because I thought of myself as pretty lucky to have um, came to where I'm at, right? And I'm thinking about it as a female, first off, and then as a Hispanic person. And then thinking to myself, like, there needs to be more of that, like, you know, just uh, diversity. And so um, I started doing a culinary training program in the West Side Campaign Against Hunger in New York. And so what it was, it was to help people who utilize the food pantries and soup kitchens actually learn how to cook a little healthier for themselves. And then that developed into something that led to job training. And so when I moved here to Bridgeport, it was more like, we need to have something like that, Mm -hmm. you know? So 
you know, I came, I, you know, linked with a nonprofit and we started doing it out of church kitchens there as a culinary training program. And it just led to more and more expansion. And what's really cool is like, one, the diversity. I mean, there's women and men in my classes and there's a lot of brown and black people in my class. Not that that's, you know, the only thing that it's um, open up to, but it's really nice to see people of the community being represented in a certain mm-hmm. way. Um, and then all coming from different, you know, walks of life in terms of like what they want, aspire to be, where they want to go in terms of like short-term goals, long-term goals. And just being able to kind of nurture that or kind of mentor them through that process is pretty fantastic. So I was blessed with the opportunity to have, you know, Marsha and Dave um, a part of a different type of class that I ran that was more like an informational class, you know, for food entrepreneurs who wanted to start a business here in Bridgeport. Cool. And so that's how you met Raquel? Yeah. Entrepreneur program? I found, I think... Like on Facebook, I saw like an, a, a promotion for the class, and I signed up like right away. <laughs> what was your business? Um, at the time, it was just me trying to figure out what I wanted to do with Love Breakfast. Um, I started it. I, love Breakfast started at my home, so it just started with me just sharing my love of breakfast on Twitter, always talking about what, what's for breakfast, what are you guys eating, this is what I'm making, and um, I then I went on to Instagram, started posting pictures, and then just women would just be like commenting, like, "Man, I wish I had this." So I spontaneously message like 15 girls and I was like I'm gonna have a, like a potluck breakfast at my house just bring me the ingredients awesome. yeah. bring me the ingredients and I'll, I'll make something so I assigned everyone like an ingredient like okay you bring the orange juice you bring the eggs and then they all came in with all these ingredients and then we all came together no one knew each other and they kept coming in the kitchen I'm like no go go talk go talk because I hate when people are in the kitchen when I'm cooking <laughs> so um uh, that's it was women from all walks of life who didn't know each other but we all got along because we shared one common thing and that we love breakfast and mm-hmm. they liked my cooking so um, that's how it started and that's I great. just wait, wait you gotta tell us what did you make for breakfast that day waffles waffles like the first thing because it's so easy to make and you can yeah. make like a whole bunch I had like the double waffle irons uh-huh. it's easy to make that and eggs and it was just me trying to figure out if they even liked my cooking and that was like my way of testing it testing the waters um, with my breakfast and it became a thing where I they would always come to my house and I would have like different people come. Like I had like somebody who did astrology, so she would come and speak, and she would tell everybody about their signs. So just no one knows each other, but they come out, they leave as like acquaintances or friends or someone they can connect with because someone can connect them to like something else. So they go shopping together, mm-hmm. or we'll have brunch together again. And so it was really fun. So you made it an experience. Yeah, I like the idea of bringing people together. Um, well, that's the, like the tagline: bringing people together one dish at a time. And. Mm-hmm. Um, because they love breakfast and they apparently they like me. So um, <laughs> they, they would come and they would invite other people and sometimes we'll go out. Like I'll send an email like, hey, we're going to meet at this place and people just sign up. I'll have like four or six people come and meet and we'll try out like a brunch spot. In oh, that's fun. Yeah. yeah, that's great. That's awesome. I love breakfast. So but I love that you're talking about food, bringing people together. Because mm-hmm. for me, that is like one of the key reasons yeah. why I stay working in food. And I think that's also what I'm excited that I have a feeling that's what all of you mm-hmm. are yeah. about also. <laughs> so. And Dave, how did you get involved? So about 11 years ago, I, I took a trip to Puerto Rico and um, I expressed um, my uncle, expressed him how much I love hot sauce. And I love the vinagre. Um, he goes, but I would love to learn how to make it so I can, you know, I don't come to Puerto Rico often. And, um, you know, sure enough, he took me to the fields, pineapple fields, picked up some pineapple, picked up, uh, you know, went to the market, picked up some peppers. And he started showing me 
the procedure, the fermentation process, and <clears throat> I was excited. I came home, and I was making households for everybody. <laughs> um, fast forward, and by, you know, 10 years later, I'm already changed ingredients to kind of like, you know, f for my liking, and um, now I'm like, I had an epiphany, like, why am I, am I not selling my hot sauce? I started experimenting, you know, um, started designing, started bottling, and then I just hit a wall. Mm. How do I, where do I go from here? Because right? I already know how to do do all of, you know, the cooking, the, the fermentation, the designing, the bottle, all that. But now, how do I turn this into a business? And, of course, um, you know, having, you know, given to my friends, coworkers, family, and um, a friend, a good friend of mine, um, V, he, he's he's he loved the hot sauce, and him and his wife would always encourage me to turn this into a business. Go ahead, <clears throat> and um, I followed him when he was part of the culinary training, that mm -hmm. culinary training that um, Raquel did, and um, he hit me up right away as soon as she posted for the entrepreneur, and he's like, "You gotta sign up." And Within minutes, I was already, I already submitted my application, you know, and I, I called them up as soon as you see us. I was, I got the email that I was accepted. I reached out to them. I gave them a big thanks, you know. Um, and, um, yeah, so it, it went from just hitting a brick wall, not knowing, you know, the overwhelming process of turning this into a business into learning how she networked us. So everybody was different, Baker, you know. Everybody had something different, food trucks, and mm -hmm. she f went out and found, found people to come in and, and network with us mm -hmm. to help us um, turn it, you know, move forward with our ideas, our concepts. That's you know? cool. So when you first did the bottling, was it like in your house where you cooked? Yes, it? yes. And so you were just like filling bottles. I was just like, cooking it, all, them, right, yeah. sealing them, doing all that uh, in my house, and then I would just go ahead and give it to a friend, take it to work. Right. Everybody, you know, and. To now look, you, you start real, looking. You, you go to the websites yeah. and you see pages, and you know it's just so overwhelming, so confusing, and it's yeah. Because it you turn it into a business that's different than just cooking your right, house. right, you have right. To, like, figure out how to right. certify it, health code, and all that exactly. Kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. And now you're in another. You're doing yeah. So um, just as that ended, um, she actually accompanied me, uh, came with me to the meeting for the. Collab and city seed uh, food accelerator. Yeah, and um, I put in some, you know, I put an application in, and they sent me a, a, an email saying I was accepted. Um, and it's actually just stopped, finished uh, last Tuesday. So yeah. last Tuesday was the last session, and um, so yeah, a lot of information, a lot of cramming. Um, it's like a boot, um, like a boot camp. Boot camp. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. What kind of stuff have you been learning about how to how to launch your business? Um, a lot of uh, level? right, a lot of um. Marketing, a lot of you know, branding yourself, marketing, um, pitch, pitching, or or how to um, discover your audience or your your market. Then the second half started working on all the legalities, right? Yeah. Um, you know, talk about um, all the different certifications and all the yeah, yeah lots of stuff. Right. <laughs> so wait, tell us what is your what is your product? Our product is Dave's Angry Sauce. Um, I have a line of um, hot sauce uh, there's three three hot sauce right now and it's one you know the jalapeno lime is the least hottest and it works its way up to the habanero which is the hottest yeah there's three different ones and i hope to have barbecue sauce i've worked on jelly and jams mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so, your yeah. logo is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's right? really yeah. good. It's beautiful. The hot sauce tastes delicious. So I'm excited yeah. for you. It's good that you're getting the support because I think right. like starting Absolutely, a food business yes. is hard to do right. on your own. So it's it's, good. Uh, it's been a blessing. It's been because yeah. again I've met some really cool not only other entrepreneurs but like my colleague I can you know Marsha yeah. Manny you know um, so yeah I've met a lot of cool people and other business owners that can you know take under their wing and. and kind of direct you the right way then you know i got my f- food service Surf- certification yeah. through the oic foundation mm-hmm. um also linked with yeah uh, we probably push for that right that was why that are was, you pushing them for that because it's such an important i mean one it's you know how to handle food safely but then it's good no matter where you go i mean if you're thinking about you know setting up shop somewhere else you don't have to like always have what is your city's you know line of um of, uh, requirements, right? In terms right. of that, mm-hmm. you can take it with you, and it's nice to have a license on there. Yeah, you know? right. I've loved witnessing you because now I've worked with you this year a lot and, and watched you cater and, and do things, and I'm just loving that I see what a community that you've built around you, and that a lot of the people from your who've come out of your programs are also the same people you hire yeah. to do your catering job. <laughs> so it's like not only are you helping people start their own businesses and get other jobs, but you're also employing them in your yeah. in your program. It's really beautiful. One of my, I got to say, one of my most memorable moments was because she pushed that I, I go with it to the farmer's market, set up a little, like a testing, you know, give out samples. But I remember we set up, um, you were doing a demonstration. And she came up with a recipe, a breakfast egg, uh, what was it? A Some pur- omelet. Oh, eggs in purgatory, yeah. Yes. yeah. But instead of the tomato version, she came up with a tomatillo version. It was perfect with the jalapeno lime. And it's just watching the people react to the dish and tasting it with the, the hot sauce. It's just, you know, it was just amazing. The people loved it. The people loved it. And there's like a more a motivation, you know, the, a push. So you know what? You're on the right path, you know yeah. 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 How did that feel being in that in that setting? Going, like, did you go to the farmers market before that? I think I was that the second time we did a couple of, of farmers market. Um, we did downtown Bridgeport farmers market, and it was a, a pretty cool experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but the demonstration that that we were part of that was a really cool moment. It mm-hmm. was a pretty cool. Um, yeah. yeah. The people were were not only just tasting because they were tasting my hot sauce with um, you know some bread. Uh, from the pizza company, yep. um, but here they're actually enjoying a dish that she was able to um, put together with my hot sauce. And yeah, it was it was, it was a little a little, a little marriage. Yeah, right? right, right. So Raquel, you have a stall at the market. I do. So what I use it for is the opportunity to not only you know sell food myself, but have an entrepreneur in training right next door to me. Mm-hmm. So and it's nice because like the farmers markets have been such a great platform for us to kind of have that entrepreneurship kind of being supported in our community. So you know like the fees, there's they're they're normally capped under my um, booth, and so you know having another table doesn't cost the student anything. They're just you know getting their ingredients. They're coming out. Um, they can survey the community that's coming. They can sample all they want. I mean they're surf safe trained. And certified now, mm-hmm. so it's like really great to kind of have them taking leave of their mm-hmm. booth. And so, like Akia, who's one of the other students, she comes uh, bi-monthly to the downtown farmers market and has created created her own buzz. Like people who actually look forward to seeing what does Akia have today? Mm-hmm. Does she have her chicken and waffles? And she really changes it up. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool, you know. And Dave, your uh, display at the 
farmer's market has really grown to like, it eats up a whole table. It looks colorful and inviting and bright mm. and just, it makes a person want to come and say, what do you have going on here? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so you really have your presentation really, um, you perfected it in that sense, you. you know? I love, I'm watching like this mentorship, <laughs> but it's so beautiful because you're so encouraging and you're also like breaking down some barriers, right? Like, first of all, you're, you're taking care of the first step, which is like, you already did the application to the market. You've got the stall. And so out of like the 15 things you have to do to come sell something at a market, you've taken care of like the first five things. Right. And so then people just get to focus on those steps of like, what's my recipe? What are my ingredients? Do I have like the food safety stuff and Mm -hmm. what's the price? And, you know, and, and it's like, they can focus on that versus like having to make that jump from zero to like handling everything so that's like an incredible model that you created for how to support people getting getting started and you're just so encouraging and it's so cool too i I see them and it's like i don't know like we set up there was a holiday market that lauren did downtown it was so cool like we were all out there and you could look left and right and i'm like look at betsy you know like we were all there lined up that was my first time having my own stand my own mm-hmm. table, right? Oh, cool. So I was all proud. I had my, <laughs> had my banner. Yeah, it's yeah. official. Yeah. How is the dynamic for you in terms of kind of race and class stuff at the farmers markets? Like, so I don't actually know the Bridgeport farmers markets, but like some farmers markets in some places can be more used by white folks or by people with more money. And so, like, I know you have like a diversity of people in your group, mm-hmm. but you have a lot of folks of color. Like, how is that dynamic for you? Of like, how do you feel at the market, and also kind of how do you feel like you're received in the market? Um, we had uh, maybe a year, or about a year or two years ago, um, something called local food, local places. So they basically brought the community together and we talked about different areas of food and how the community viewed it. And so one of the one of the feedback that we received for the farmers market was that not all of them felt very inclusive mm-hmm. for everyone. Um, and so like the farmers market collaborative um, is a group of, you know, of seven, eight, a little bit more uh, people who come to the table every month to kind of figure out, okay, so where do we want to see this farm? Now that we have this information, how do we make this a place that everyone wants to feel, you know, safe and comfortable and wants to come and, you know, visit? Um, and so that has became such a big thing. It's like, how do we diversify our markets? And so like what I was saying, like downtown has became such a great asset, you know, mm-hmm. to be a platform for us. BlackRock was another farmer's market that really allowed us to like spread our wings in terms of like getting out there. And that diversity, I mean, BlackRock um, typically sees a lot more of a more affluent um, clientele. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was so great to have, you know, a Kia set up shop there. Dave came out there. Um, even the pizza company, you know, yeah. we've really done some really great um uh, you know, in terms of booth and really have done some great business there. I think we're all pretty profitable in terms of yeah. people being very accepting and wanting to kind of know our product a little bit more right. and hear our story behind it. So it definitely um, gave a footprint. Right. You know, it allowed people to see a different color at the market, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but a different enough so that they wanted to hear more mm-hmm. you right. know and it was nice to be able to express that story because right. I think every time we were there you know when I first started again I was you know I, mean, I was a Spanish person selling omelets no less mm-hmm. you know that's mm-hmm. what I was mm-hmm. doing but like you know people want to kind of say what's going on here right 
and that story just continues to be passed. You right. know, so I think the farmers markets and those in particular are really wanting to raise that diversity. Right. And to add to that, um, one of the things she's when we agree I was gonna go and join her at the farmers market, she just says she says, create a survey, make it simple, short, five questions. In that survey I did at all the farmers market, you could see the diversity, the different cultures. Like for example, Black Rock Turnpike. They were they were more open to a more let's say for example, households that's ten, fifteen dollars, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, downtown Bridgeport, you know, they were they were telling me, Okay, I would pay, you know, maybe five bucks for this household. But knowing that it's a Bridgeport product or made in Bridgeport, you know, they, they were more intrigued and, and willing to learn about, you know, the person behind it and and they were very supportive. They were very, you know, but you could definitely see in that survey that all the different um, farmers market you could see the. You mean based on like what people would pay? And right, like right. You know, and um, one of my favorites is uh, the reservoir. You know, I love the very diverse community there. You know, and you see them all out there involved um, in taking care of the gardens, and that's that's really nice Thank to see. Know. So I want to get to everybody, but I want to ask you one more mm-hmm. question about this, which is. How I'm curious how you got involved in really cooking with fresh ingredients and kind of unprocessed foods and how because your food is so fresh and um, was that something you were raised with? Is that something that you sort of came to as you got older? Raised with is a little hard because it wasn't like my mom always did her very best in making you know food from scratch, um, but we didn't really have access to like a lot of writing groceries we definitely did not have farmers markets where when I was growing up what really brought it was when I started getting involved in the public school system uh, with school lunches um, and thinking about uh, and when I volunteered with City Harvest mm-hmm. and I did a lot of that volunteering kind of seeing you know how do you take food that's on the verge of you know spoiling spoiling and really saving that and my mom always was like you know waste not want not you know so how do we make this work and that made the appreciation for fresh ingredients that much more like important um and so fast forward after doing a couple years i was actually able to i was invited to the white house south lawn to be a part of mrs obama's let's move i was there too i was working on school food also that's how i got started after i worked as a chef for like 10 plus years but that was, was the thing that, that got amazing? me into like food and community work yeah but that was like the hottest day of the year yes, it was. in the full sun they had a bunch but of yes, water coolers right on all the way to so the end we were like sweating but it was and she it was, was amazing. amazing it was amazing hearing her speak um mrs obama and then sam cast just all of it just like and being around in that community so i think like i don't know it was a lot of that importance that made us say, you know what, it doesn't matter how much money you earn, because school lunch, that's, it's mm, very right. minimal, um, or, you know, that you have, we're all entitled to eat fresh, clean food mm. that's made with, like, from scratch, you know, and really bringing that, and so that's what motivated me. Yeah. That's so cute. cool to know we were both uh, there. No, see what we're meant to ends. be that's right. <laughs> together. Um, so how does that work, like, as you're doing training with people, you know, because it's become a huge part of our society that so many communities don't have fresh food around because we have food apartheid and we have this real intentional kind of, unfortunately, just people intentionally being forced to live in poverty and not having access to healthy, to a lot of like fresh ingredients. 
Um, but also people have amazing food culture, right? And so how do you work with people around kind of respecting their food culture, but also helping to kind of reintroduce fresh food, which used to be the heart of every culture, right? Of everybody's food culture. But what are some of the ways that you help people, especially as they're like entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and they're trying to kind of develop their passion around an ingredient or a recipe? How do you help them kind of get those fresh ingredients in or back in? Well, what's really cool is that, well, one, our seven, we have seven farmers markets here in Bridgeport, and each one is located in a different area of Bridgeport, which means that it's addressing a community that is different than the next community, which is awesome. So when I, the, the farmers market collaborative actually hires me to do cooking demos at each market. And so I'm able to take a recipe that, again, is culturally, um, you, you can relate to, right? Whether it was uh, rice and beans, um, I've done a, at a food pantry, uh, but using brown rice and, you know, instead of all the, um, when I think of sasong being adobo. something that we add a lot into our food or adobo, we, right, exactly. How to make a sofrito, which is mm. a basis of peppers and onions and cilantro. And these are farmer, farmer's market ingredients where you could have just put together in a blender, take some garlic and really make a nice foundation for your food, you know, mm. and making it. Something that's equally delicious without all that extra salt Mm -hmm. or MSG or all the other products that we're kind of consuming. So um, it's that. It's it's saying embrace what you love, but just make a little twist. Just change something. You know, add this. So we did in another market, I did a rustic tomato sauce. And eggplant, funny enough, is not something that moved quickly there. It was just something that sat there. And the farmer's not good for the farmer. It's not, you know, because then he's bringing back this produce. And I cut up some eggplant, sauteed it, and got it in there. I was people were just so amazed at the meaty flavor mm-hmm. of the sauce, and it was like, and there is no meat, you know. So to be able to do that, you mm-hmm. know, and say this is as simple as it is, and all of a sudden, you get people going and saying, "I'll take an eggplant," right? Or at Black Rock, there was no, uh, there was cranberry beans, which people didn't know what to do with the cranberry beans, and so I remember, like, you know, they were they were saying, "Oh yeah, we have a whole bunch of it." And so what I did was I made a hummus because hummus was in mm-hmm. and was very popular. So I did a cranberry bean hummus. And people were just so focused on like, oh my God, this is hummus that the cranberry beans actually sold. So yeah. it's about that support. It's about mm-hmm. like saying you can try something new but familiar because yeah. you don't want to like really make shock. Yeah, you're trying to make a change, but you're not trying to scare them at the same time. I think a lot of the reasons why people don't eat a lot of the vegetables, because it seems scary and complex when you're looking at things like artichoke or bok choy (laughs) and even eggplant. Like, what do I do with this? How do I cook it? And and that's why they stray away from it and just go to the lettuce or the spinach or the kale, Mm because it's easy. You can throw it in a blender. They don't know you can roast it or saute it or put it in a sauce for meat. So that's really cool that you were able to integrate that and educate them on how to make it so they're not just buying it and it's rotting in in the fridge. Yeah. No, I love, I love it. you started visiting the, the farmer's market. You you want to start teaching the kids, you lead by example, um, eat healthier, cleaner. But you go to food, I mean, I'm sorry, this Whole Foods, but that's like, I look like it's a big name. You know, it's expensive, you can't afford it. Mm-hmm. But you go to the farmer's market, at least you're helping and supporting, you know, local farms. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I think it, I, I love, feel good. I feel good shopping at, feel, you know, you're not, I'm not feeling like, oh man, I'm paying, you know. It's going to a good, you know. Yeah, it's back into the community. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and I also think what you're talking about is so important because 
Um, respecting people's cultures and respecting where people are at is so important because shame does not work, right? So if I'm like, oh, everything you're eating is bad. Don't mm-hmm. eat your fried chicken. Right. Don't eat your sofrito, whatever it is. Like, don't mm-hmm. eat those things. That doesn't work, right? Like, that's people's culture. That's what people mm-hmm. are comfortable with. Right. But this piece around tweaking things is yeah. what's important. And like, mm-hmm. and what you're saying about like giving people an opportunity to try something new because sometimes people are like, no, I only eat this. I eat my yeah. rice, my beans, mm-hmm. my chicken. This one kind of salad, like that's yeah. it, right? And then if you're like, oh, well, what, what if we like added this thing to the salad or we added this thing to the sauce mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden like, oh, I didn't know I like eggplant. I didn't know yeah. I like this thing, right? And so it's like really like respecting people's culture and meeting people where they're at is, I abs- is like what I have seen as well to be what helps people eat healthier and still feel good about yeah. themselves. Yeah, sure. And then, and I think that's like, I'm so happy to hear all of you say that because I think sometimes what can happen especially in places where it's like white folks who are who are leading they're like here's what healthy is right mm-hmm. you have to have your brown rice and your mm-hmm. steamed vegetable and and then you lose you don't have to let go of flavor right. to yeah. have healthy food yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. and expect people to go from like eating fast food yeah. and like you know ramen noodles or whatever to, to like 100 percent scratch cooking food yeah. like that doesn't work and so all those things you're saying are i think like really the key about how we help our communities come to living, yeah. eating life-giving food again, you know, or more. I'm wondering if you could, uh, I'm intrigued about your breakfast. <laughs> and um, I was looking online and I saw this delicious banana bread that mm. looks so, it looks like it has like yummy pieces. It's all kind of brown and caramelized looking. Yeah. Is it crispy? A uh, bit yeah, it's crunchy top? on it. It has like the texture, the crunchy texture on top from that just being best. in the oven. But I love bananas. I like, I used to eat them every day probably like two or three and um i used to put them in like peanut butter sandwiches mm-hmm. that was like my go-to snack like after school but yeah. you know they started to get old and my grandmother on my father's side used to make like banana fritters or she would make something with the banana and i just missed that flavor i didn't know how to make it and i didn't have the recipe so banana bread was probably the best way to go so anytime the bananas got old instead of throwing them away yeah. i looked up a recipe and um that was my first try just making banana bread and i just started to modify it so it's more to my liking and mm-hmm sharing it um with others that's another piece of love breakfast is just sharing the products but um i didn't know like it was something i loved doing but i didn't know how to put it out there so i can make money off of it so just trying to figure out how i can still continue blogging and still continue making it a community thing without having to you know throw a price at people Mm. for something that they love and something that they love sharing with me so sometimes Mm. i go back and forth with how to keep it a community, but how to also make money so I can do this full time and survive just off of my brand. Nice. So how are you doing that? What are I'm right what, now? Are, I'm are trying taking a step back and just realigning myself because I recently changed my diet. So I'm more of a vegetarian. I'm trying to practice a lot of more vegan stuff, which means you know not a lot of eggs, um, no meat anymore. So I know that that kind of changes things and the the kind of audience that will come and look at me and um. Just making sure that I still continue with the community versus just the photos um, of really great breakfast pictures, but what's where it started, which is at home with the, with people, mm. and just trying to figure out how to put that together. And uh, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. No, what came to mind? I'm thinking like we should do a hands-on cooking class. Breakfast cooking class, yeah. You and I, and do it that it's all our brown brunch. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then I can just do the teaching aspect of it, so people leave with not necessarily not anything of your recipes, yeah. but just the experience tied into it that it becomes like a right. something that they're contributing and learning to be a part of that yeah. experience would be fun. So 
before you had sort of a breakfast club, brunch club? Yeah, so I, I do, it's like an email where I email um, people who were interested in having breakfast with me and I just uh, send them an email and let them know like, hey, I'm going to either have brunch at my house or we're going to have it somewhere at someone else's house. Someone might host one at their house mm-hmm. and then um, it's bringing the ingredients or just bring the champagne and I'll, and I'll cook because <laughs> I, we need the mimosas to keep the conversation. That's what loosens everybody up and get the conversations <laughs> going. Um, nice. So how is becoming a vegetarian affecting so are you being vegan? So you're, like you're not trying to. No, I'm not. Eggs? I'm not a vegan yet. I'm. I feel like I'm leaning towards that. Um, but just practicing, like not eating meat at all. So mm-hmm. I stopped eating meat last spring, going into the summer, and I committed to not eating meat. Uh, Thanksgiving, like the week the week before Thanksgiving, I'm like I'm gonna try not eating meat at all, and that was hard because. What's inspiring you? Um, just how my body feels. I notice that my body tends to reject things as the years goes on. So just really being in tune and paying attention to my body and just knowing that for me, meat doesn't do well. It sits too long and makes me feel a certain way. And then when I eat vegetables or drink smoothies, I have a lot more energy. So just mm-hmm. going with that and mm-hmm. following suit. Yeah. Um, and, but just knowing that I was going to be changing that and cutting the meat out and cutting the eggs out more. Um, I was scared that my audience, well, it was going to change because they're not going to see a lot of that for me like they used to so just trying to transition them into a more healthier lifestyle with me without make you know making it inclusive without having to put anybody out mm, i'm happy to brainstorm with you because I've, <laughs> I've i've cooked like the whole range i started in vegetarian kitchens mm-hmm. actually when i was younger and then moved it to like regular kind of cook everything kitchens and and i love doing um kind of taking recipes but figuring out if, if someone has allergies or yeah. different stuff like how to alter them so, so cool yeah um, and I do lots of improvisational baking which I know is not what you're supposed to do but it's like that's like these muffins that I brought you mm-hmm. that are I was like I have a base recipe but I was like oh I want to like throw in some of this throw some yeah. of that and how to just start playing with things like balancing the dry and wet ingredients yeah and just understanding is, is there acid in it and there's baking soda but um you know that kind of yeah. how to make things healthier uh, and breakfast, I think, can be challenging because it's like is. a lot of wheat, a especially lot of... with the fl- flour and no eggs. Yeah. So using a yeah. different measurement. So the first thing I did, as far as trying to transition for people's diet changes, was making the gluten free. So finding the right flour because certain gluten free flours now they have better flours, but before it was more tough. So yeah. it, it changed the whole texture of the bread. Yeah. But understanding that I wanted to, you know. I wanted people who had these kind of uh, allergies or these diets to be able to taste the bread without it hurting them because mm-hmm. it's not fun when you're stomach when you have a stomachache from eating food that you love. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I found a really good recipe from a friend who's a farmer who's gluten free. Mm-hmm. Um, he has celiac and yeah. um, and uh, they use brown rice flour and arrowroot. Okay. So you know, there's all those mixes like yeah. you can get, but they're pretty expensive, right? Mm-hmm. So brown rice flour by itself is pretty inexpensive, and arrowroot you can get like a big bag from like Bob's Red Mill. Mm-hmm. And I love you can their get, yeah. like, a job lot in places like, like mm-hmm. discount, and it's it's I think it's roughly like two parts, um, maybe it's like two cups brown rice flour and half cup arrowroot mm-hmm. and you can sort of use a regular recipe but you just have to increase the proportion That's of dry so, yeah. to wet yeah. i'll work on I, I haven't made it for a while but i'll work, i made it and it was like amazing it's a little yeah. more crunchy than a regular mm-hmm. waffle but still like wonderful yeah. waffle texture Mill, they also make a gluten-free flour that i love now mm. and it's really soft so i like using nice. that one nice. my wife just made a falafel jelly but she used she added some almond, almond flour. flour yeah it definitely came out more crispier Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I've been playing a lot with fermenting stuff. I know you're talking about fermenting hot sauces. 
and everything with like sourdough mm. recipes, oh, but oh, not with like a sourdough starter because right. I don't have one, although I would like to get one, but even just like overnight letting things soak. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Letting the flour soak overnight or even longer. Yeah, that's what I do when I'm baking bread. Like they have like, yeah. the, I think they call it bigger or something like that. So I'll make that and I'll let it sit. Mm-hmm. And I can use pieces of that to add to my dough so I can make bread. Yep. Mm-hmm. I love the smell. It smells like beer. You can yeah, it's yeah. so good. I think you're going to find a really, I think what you're doing is going to find maybe not all of the same community, but a new yeah. community. Yeah, you go somebody that aligns really more with it. me and what right. I like to do and what I like to eat now. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's good. So <laughs> you're about to freak out. <laughs> so another really fun thing that you all do together is your late night podcast. Your late night late yeah. night potluck, potluck yeah. podcast. Yeah. So what's up with it? I I like took a listen to a couple. So um, I was inspired with what she was doing, mm-hmm. as, as well as the, the food uh, accelerator program in New Haven with City Seed and Collab, and um, <clears throat> I felt inspired to reach out to Raquel and see and, and a couple of other um let's let's get together and do a podcast a buddy of mine owns uh has a studio in, in Shelton and he interviewed me once we did the demonstration he saw you know I was doing something and like come over I want to interview you and I saw his his podcast and jokingly I said you know you don't have anybody doing any like food type of podcast he goes you know if you're up for it I'd love to have you so I started pitching the idea to Raquel, some of you know, Marsha, Manny, and and I was like, let's do it. And what it is is um, we like to inspire and make bring awareness. Like I never heard of uh, Elm Seed, right? Uh, Elm Seed is they do pro bono service for up and coming um, entrepreneurs. You know, you have collab. A lot of these programs are out there. No one has any idea. I you know, so I want to be. The idea was to bring awareness to a lot of either you're thinking about bring um, starting up your you know your business or those who are in the middle of starting up the business and, and inspire them, and <clears throat> also to highlight local um, local businesses. Mm-hmm. So we will we'll invite them over, but we'll have fun, you know, organic conversation, kind of, you know, talk about their business and and what's their journey been like. Yeah. Um, the name late night is because the studio during the day. There are other people using the building. There's a gymnastic school in the second floor, so it's you hear a lot of noise. It's not good for the audio. Um, so yeah, so I was like, yeah, let's do it. It's 11 p.m. Uh, let's uh, let's call it it's late night. And the potluck is more like everybody brings something to the table. You know, mm-hmm. some we we'll bring food, but we also bring other um, you know ideas and, and concepts to the table, and we talk about it. It's been fun. Yeah, I'm going to take some Raquel's class that we had, took over the summer, the entrepreneur class, to the next level by just mm-hmm. bringing it to the community and so people can take a listen, people who maybe couldn't take that class and mm-hmm. learning about different restaurants and chefs and just how to market themselves and learning about like our struggle in the business and knowing that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, one thing is, is, is I've learned, you know, becoming entrepreneurs, um, not staying still always moving mm-hmm. you know like <laughs> um if i'm not making hot sauce i have to be doing something and, and i think podcast is a good outlet to you know to continue you know promoting your business promoting other businesses you know creating contact is, is a huge marketing um, tactic these mm-hmm. days you know so yeah so it's been fun i love it that's actually a lot of why i started my podcast too it was just mm-hmm. i wanted to get I wanted to get the stories out that I was seeing that I felt like so I wanted so many more people to see them about just all these amazing people in food and people who are doing social change work 
Um, so, and I have a food squad show that I'm trying to ramp up more, but it's the same kind of thing. It's like a bunch of folks around the table with different perspectives on mm. food. And one of the things that I've tried to do on my show and what I appreciate about yours is actually having more folks of color and more folks who are not coming just only out of like the fancy food industry, but like right. all different parts of the food industry right. and food um, so that their voices can be heard. Cause I really feel like we're not heard and like those, those voices are not heard enough. Um, I appreciate very much that you all are doing that on that show. Yeah, our last episode uh, was fun, a lot of fun. Well, they're all of fun. What was the last episode? We had um, Donovan. So now, it, it it's good because he's a he's not in the food industry. He's a photographer, but he's very smart in branding, marketing, and um, he does very good with food photography. Mm-hmm. So we kind of mix it in there, and like you know, we try to stay yeah. to food industry, but no, he's he's very familiar with the food industry yeah. with, because of his um, field. Yeah, and it was a lot of fun. We talked about um, branding and, and talked about his journey. It was a lot of fun. So I love that all of you kind of, as you said in your various businesses, it's about building community and mm-hmm. and around food and around the food business work that you do. What is your hope for kind of what will grow out of this, like out of either collectively or individually? <clears throat> for me, I would love to be able to continue to teach. Um, and just see these businesses kind of spin off and thrive on their own. You know, I think it's like a revolving door. You know, if I can have a new batch come in and spit them out into a environment that so many have led the steps of now, like the mentorship is such an important part. Like I think of why am I here? And I think of some phenomenal women who have allowed me to really gain the support and the the legs that I needed to get where I'm at. So I would want to provide that as well, you know? And I think as a teacher, I think, you know, like the the relationship between teacher and student and then knowing that it can flip, you know, like I learned something from you guys each and every time, right? Because it, it, it teaches me how to stay on my toes, what do I need to refocus on, you know what I'm saying? But like when you not only do well yourself, but you are able to pass the torch in that sense mm-hmm. to kind of see someone else I think you realize exactly where you're at at that point. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because like you can know you're doing some good stuff, but like when you're able to see that something else came out of it because of it, it it mag- like it, it just takes what you've done and just like expands on it like mm-hmm. nothing else can. Right. So, um, for me, I think I always aspire to inspire, and I think with Love Breakfast, I just want not only people to think about just breakfast, but just starting their day off right. Um, and making sure I hope to like do more community stuff but with schools with kids um, doing more inclusive stuff with uh, women and people who just want to change their lives and build that community with them Um, there's two things that come to mind and and one is that horrible feeling where you have a good idea a good concept and have no idea where to go from there you know like that overwhelming feeling like you know Look, going to the health department website and just reading, not being familiar with any of that, and coming to, I guess, the ultimate plan is is to really come together with you know the food policy council and the health department and and the, you know whoever else needs to be involved in in making the process a lot more uniform, streamlined. streamlined. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was inspired with one of your your episodes. Uh, 
which I forwarded to the Food Policy mm-hmm. Council. Oh, yeah, the yeah. one with Mubarak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was, yeah. That was, yeah. We've, we've tried to do a lot of work on, on getting getting it, making it easier and more understandable how to start a food business in New Haven, right. but still there's so much work to do. Right, right. So, that yeah, that's, awesome. that's one of my goals is yeah. to make that streamlined. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So we're going to wrap up now because we've been like chatting away. But um, <laughs> but can you you all tell people how to reach you? So how can people find your business, Raquel? So it's uh, www.apinchasalt.com and then Instagram, a pinch of salt cooking. And there's all kinds of stuff there. You can hire her for catering. There's classes. There's um, all different kinds of programs you got going on. Beautiful website. And Dave's Angry Hot Sauce. You can follow me on the <laughs> Facebook and Instagram with the same handle, uh, Dave's Angry Sauce. And you can visit my website at www.davesangrysauce.com. And I'm going to plug in the, the podcast. You can follow me, late night underscore potluck. And um, just follow me there and you'll, you'll get the link to the SoundCloud where you can listen to our show. Excellent. Uh, you can follow my journey on Instagram. My name is Love Breakfast with the underscore at the end. Or on Facebook, you can just type in Love Breakfast and you'll find me. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Thank you so much for having us. To see photos and find links to the things we talked about on today's show, go to thetableunderground.com where you can also find past shows, writing, recipes, and so much more. Find our show wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on all the social medias. I'm your host, Tegan Engel, and this is The Table Underground.